We are rolling. Okay. You're listening to the world's biggest podcast. It's Evan and Garrett Take on the World. Uh, today we are, I don't want to say we're down a member because we're not down a person. Like yeah. We're still, a, we have three bodies in studio. Someone has been replaced. Someone's been replaced. And it's up to you, the listener, <laughs> to figure out who. Is it me, Evan? Mm, or is, I don't know. Is it me, Garrett? <laughs> Collect all the clues and find out. <laughs> or is it possibly the third person in studio, Elliot Foltz? Hello. Hey, Hi. Elliot. Hi. Thank you for having me. Of course. Now, again, listener, pay attention throughout the whole show because there's going to be subtle hints and clues <laughs> that you'll have to be on the lookout for to see which one of us. Is it Evan, uh, Garrett, or maybe <laughs> Christian? We, we, we won't tell. Uh, <laughs> so, clue number one. Christian's not here right now. Uh, because we don't I think he's spun off. Right? Yeah. My instinct tells me that he's he's not here because he is he's got a different deal. He's, he's been his... in a downward spiral for a while oh, now. So God. I mean Yikes. this is to be expected. It's gotten so deep that I don't believe he knows what an upward spiral could possibly look like anymore. You know, it's just down. Yeah. Um where where do we think what do we think a spin-off with Christian looks like? Cause like it's probably not good. It's probably on the beach. Yeah, not good. Yeah, for that's for certain. Are we saying in general, or are you saying a show? I'm talking about a show. No, yeah, I got that. It's like Joey, we yeah. like I said before we started rolling Joey, so not mm-hmm. good. Okay, well Joey, are you familiar with Golden Palace? I am the Golden Girl spinoff. There was a Golden Girl spinoff. What? There were several actually, but yeah, the Golden Girl spinoff that was most uh, unsuccessful, I'd say, is uh, <laughs> the Golden Palace, which was three of the four of the Golden Girls plus a very young Don Cheadle. It was a very strange. Excuse me. Yeah, it was like late '80s, early '90s. That is wild. Don yeah. she- Don what? Cheadle. Yeah. What? Oh my gosh, it's really confusing. I've this, never watched it. This sounds gr- okay. Christian loves the Golden Girls. That's I love tr- the Golden Girls. I'm a diehard fan. I've never watched Golden Palace. It's like he's- <laughs> It's like, it's like he's not even here. Yeah, it's Aww, like, uh, or not even gone. gone? Yeah. It's gone. like he's not. It's better now. It's yes. me. I'm Christian. Yes. <laughs> oh, Welcome don't, back. Don't put that on yourself. Oh, poor man. Uh-uh. You're better than that. Yeah, oh, true. Christian. Don Cheadle. That's so. It's so weird how who was in like random sitcoms back in the day. Like Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Mm. Yeah. Bosom buddies. <laughs> bosom yes, buddies. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, if you That's have the by only the way, one. If, yeah. If you haven't watched <laughs> the uh, the Adult Swim greatest event in television history, where uh, Tom Hanks and uh, Adam Scott remake the. Bosom Buddies intro. Do yourself a favor and check mm. that out. Yeah, it's real, real good. That's um, awesome. But the reason that Christian is not here, or the reason that Elliot's here, rather, filling in for Christian, <laughs> is because we're doing a podcast within a podcast, and we're starting off with that. Uh, so Garrett and I are going to co-host that, and Elliot is our drama club president. Oh, the podcast Jesus is called Christ. The Drama Club. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's going to be really fun. Elliot is a, a dramaturg about town. Would you like to go into some of your accolades? My accolades? Yeah, you've oh. got several. I mean, uh, I don't know about accolades, but I You I have mean, a floral jacket that's really nice. I do have a floral jacket. Oh, that, for, that for definitely, that, I think that definitely qualifies. I should have yeah. worn it. Yeah. I should have worn it here. Oh. Yes, I have. I am an actor and a dramaturg and a musician. I... Uh, I yeah, I never sleep, but I really like 
plays. <laughs> what, uh, for the uninitiated, what is a dramaturg? Yeah, so the fun thing about a dramaturg and dramaturgy is that nobody can agree on what it exactly is. Perfect. Um, it's sort of a case-by-case what-you-need basis. Mm. I, I, dis- I disagree. I oh, disagree with that. certainly. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Please continue. <laughs> uh, so my, my in my experience, my experience as a dramaturg has been uh, to just sort of – I can't even say my experience has been because all of my experiences have been so different. But uh, the way I most like to think about it is like a second pair of eyes on a production of a show – uh, to help the director and everyone else involved to sort of make sure it is a coherent piece of theater. It is a thing that uh, lives true to uh, authorial intent, however far you want to go with that, to mm-hmm. the vision of the director, to the vision of the company and the mission of the company that's producing it, uh, what it's saying about the time period it was written in, what it's saying about the time period that it's being performed in, all that good <laughs> stuff. Because theater is a unique thing, unlike movies, which obviously don't get remade right. and reinterpreted lots and lots of different times like right. you don't have like sleepless in seattle but what if it were steampunk <laughs> this time <laughs> um, but what if it was steampunk this time that would probably be really be beautiful much much better right? i think unlike every production of steampunk shakespeare i've yeah. ever seen <laughs> oh man it's never it never works it really doesn't right so um, ha- having a dramaturg i think kind of helps uh shape that like that formless mass that is a, a theater yeah thing no i agree with that. i completely and i'm you'll you'll get some people who who really believe in dramaturgs in the in the role of uh of creating a show and then there'll be others who really don't uh seem to think so which is fine like i said people can't agree on what exactly a dramaturg does yeah um but it's nice to have a second pair of eyes to be like, did they have cell phones in Elizabethan England? I'm not sure. Mm, did L- they? Let me fact check Let's that. Let's have this person look at Wikipedia for a couple what hours. <laughs> if they did, though. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So I think it, I, the point of this podcast is kind of uh, dramaturg while Garrett and I riff and make fun, of Good. course, of uh, various musicals and plays that have Absolutely. been important because I feel like there's not a great healthy discussion about it, especially in like major pop culture. I mean, mm-hmm. some certain theater scenes. People know this stuff. I mean, musical like, theater was invented when Hamilton happened. That's and, true. Yeah. And it ended right there. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. before or after and has ever mattered. Can I say good riddance? <laughs> <laughs> you may. Um, <laughs> good riddance. But uh, as as we all like to discuss, you know, uh, movies and TV will sometimes uh, make up musicals to reference. Like, yes. for instance, um, in, when Harry Met Sally, Billy Crystal references a musical called Oklahoma. That right. is not a real thing. No, of it's, course. Uh, it's not a real place. It's not a real musical. It's nope. entirely fabricated it's by Billy Crystal. Lacks any sort of punctuation <laughs> at the end of it. Exactly. Um, that would be ludicrous. But I thought it might be fun to talk about hypothetically <laughs> what this show might be. Absolutely. So uh, I will give a total disclaimer right now. As in the world of dramaturgy, I am much more knowledgeable in musical theater than in any other. I don't know subset if you want to call it. I I I I um I did a research project my senior year of uh, college, uh that was exploring. <laughs> don't laugh, don't laugh. That was exploring uh um the musical theater and its relationship to uh, the greater American culture, um and how those things sort of are in constant dialogue with each other. Yeah, well because, that's because mm-hmm. you posted that video not to cut you off. Oh yeah, I watched that video and that's kind of it's something that I. 
a reason I thought you would be very good for this, and this could be kind of oh, cool, thanks. is because this is kind of how it relates to the world and how, yeah. you know, entertainment. We talk about pop culture all the time. Right. And seldom do we talk about musical theater. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And I mean, because like I said, Hamilton's the only one. That's but, true. Yeah. yeah. I um... And whenever Seth MacFarlane sings on an episode of Family Guy. <laughs> then it comes back for a little bit, yeah. and then it goes away. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so I... Uh, what what I love about musical theater and what I think is so fascinating about it is that it is one of the few genuinely American art forms. Mm-hmm. Um, it has its roots in like opera and in in ballet and in uh, operetta, um, all the the other forms of theater that it came before it. Right. Um, but it really came into its own beast in the early half of the 20th century in America. Um, and because of that, uh, because the you know, the, the the whole Broadway scene has been a place for people who have felt marginalized by the greater American cultural narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, they've they've uh, found a spot to thrive, whether or not that's been uh, Jewish immigrants and their um, descendants, whether or not it's been other Eastern European immigrants and their descendants, mm-hmm. it's been people of color. Um, yeah, we saw Hamilton. We saw Hamilton. All of us have seen it, at the very least. Uh, yeah, <laughs> But, um, yeah, and I think that's also, it's not a coincidence why there's such a huge... Uh, amount of members of the LGBTQ community involved with music. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a super commercial way that is super mainstream appealing for a lot of people who live their lives on the fringes mm-hmm. to really be able to take center stage literally, pun not intended, and have their voices be heard. Well, as three white men, I think we are the perfect people. To- <laughs> I agree with that. I Let's agree. unpack this. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there is obviously a dialogue here as well. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. But so uh, all that being said, Mm -hmm. we decided that the first musical we would kind of piece apart would be Oklahoma! Exclamation point. Exclamation point. You Mm -hmm. can't forget the exclamation point. You didn't even ask me, and I wanted to do Heathers. Oh, oh, we're gonna God. do Heathers. That we decided. This I just would be don't the... think it's fair that you didn't even ask me if I wanted to do Heathers. Garrett, would you like to do Heathers? Not anymore. Okay. Oh, can't we be seventeen? <laughs> now I do feel bad. Oh my God. Um, good. <laughs> but Oklahoma is a good starting off point. Elliot, yes, can yeah. you talk a little bit more about why you think Oklahoma is uh, is the you know. One bookend here? Absolutely. I mean, so... Uh, <laughs> you're about to say absolutely not. Absolutely not. Podcast fact, over. I'm mortified you'd even ask me to be here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so first off, also, the fact that this conversation's happening is extremely goofy to me. Mm-hmm. This is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Oklahoma... I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that if Oklahoma had not happened and it had not been the incredible commercial success that it was that musical theater would really be a thing. Um, I do. It wasn't the first book musical, quote-unquote book musical, wherein the script and the music and the dancing were all put together in one integrated whole. It wasn't the first one of those. That is uh, pretty commonly attributed to Showboat mm. from the late 20s. I believe it was 27. And there were other musicals in between, uh, like Anything Goes, like uh, Pal Joey in 1940, uh, Lady in Dark, or is that what it's called? It doesn't matter. The uh, Lady in White? No. I got nothing. Uh, Lady Garrett? in the Dark? It doesn't matter. Heather's the Musical. Heather's God the Musical. It. There it is. There it is. There God it is. God damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Oklahoma came out in 1943. It opened on Broadway in 1943. It was, um, it's an adaptation of the play Green Grow the Lilacs by Lynn Riggs, who was a closeted homosexual Native American playwright. Garrett uh, is a diehard Green Grow the Lilacs fan. I know he is. That's, That's a, a fact. big reason That's, why. You know that about me. I Everyone do. knows that about me. It's, in my... it's pretty well known. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, so it's based on that play. Um... And it, it, it was an enormous 
commercial and critical success, like beyond anything anyone had seen at that time. It ran for years. It, it was selling sheet music like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I believe, one of the first full cast albums released on like record. Um, and it is what I what I find so fascinating by Oklahoma music by Richard Rogers, lyrics by Oscar Hammerstein II, choreography <laughs> by Agnes DeMille. There's a whole lot to say about all three of those people. Yeah. Um, the uh, it came at a really pivotal moment in American history, right? Because it was 1943. We we're in the middle of World War II, uh, and it essentially did a really great job of being an amazing piece of propaganda for American audiences at the time. Well, you know we love propaganda. We love propaganda. You know, honestly, most days I'm kind of of the opinion that everything is propaganda in some way or That's another. Bold. Uh, propaganda I, truly, is subjective. I mean, <laughs> That's pretty deep, Just if, about, uh, if I do say so myself. I mean, just about everything is either... So I have this book. It's called... <laughs> we Live in a Society. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this book is called Musical Theater and the Formation of American Identity uh, by Raymond Knapp. It's a beautiful book. I highly recommend it, except for the hideous cover art. Um, I should have brought it to show you. Well, um, never mind. <laughs> never mind got... now. Hang on. Um, I have Google in front of me. What's oh, it called? <laughs> uh, musical Theater and the Formation of American Identity. Hmm. Raymond Knapp is his name. What, Truly, is, he, what is he known book. for? Just this book? I just, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a theater scholar. I know he has several books about musical theater scholarship. Guys, you're not going to believe this, but literally it's just pictures of Hamilton. I'm not <laughs> no, joking. It is just off. pictures of Hamilton. Turn that screen around. Turn that screen around. It is just pictures of Hamilton. It is pictures of Hamilton. Hold on. Hold on. I've been duped. I've been duped. <laughs> Hamilton. 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 Oh, there Ham- it is. There it is. Which there one? it is. Oh, Fourth the row. Third, third in. Oh, I see it. Right in between the picture of that Hamilton hideous? and Hamilton. And, oh yeah, the between the between two Hamiltons. <laughs> Wait, let me see. Right there. I'm very yeah, it's, it's glad hideous. you did it's not great, bring that in. The Mount Rushmore, and it's awful. It's awful. Anyway, so uh, good anyway, piece of propaganda. this incredible book uh, makes the argument that every single musical, in some way or another, could be interpreted as answering one of two questions. Okay. And they are both, "Who's America?" The first question is, who's America? W-H-O-S-E. Oh, I get the it. The second is, who's who America? Is America? Who is America? Like uh, Sasha Baron uh, Cohen's Who exactly. is America? Exactly, no, yes. Who's on first? Uh, <laughs> fuck me. Go on. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so uh, you can t- choose to look at just about any musical ever, at least an American musical, um, through one of those two lenses. And I think Oklahoma! Exclamation Point does a really interesting job at... Uh, sort of exploring both in the sense that it is a because you know usually the musicals that that were popular in the late twenties thirties up in, up to Oklahoma in forty three um, were New York centric shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you're appealing to a New York audience. Why yeah. would you not set it where they know? Most of um, the very you know like the the Broadway classics are are absolutely New York themed. They probably. absolutely are. Yeah, there's then, not a coincidence that you know you get Wonderful Town, Guys and Dolls, all these other yeah. huge. Um, much... shows. Hamilton, I'm yeah. <laughs> funny enough, truly, genuinely does uh, sort of very smartly put itself in the middle of that narrative too, with mm-hmm. everything in the Schuyler sisters calling New York the greatest city in the world. It it, it sounds exactly like a standard show tune from the fifties, mm-hmm. um, other than all the hip hop. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care for that so much. Exactly, back then. they weren't they weren't so big on it. Uh-huh. But um, so Oklahoma here is doing something really interesting in that it's taking place in uh, you know the the Midwest. In America, it is it's it's this huge sweeping landscape. It is a big testament to American pioneering. Um, you got Surrey's, it, you, you got, got Surrey's fringes. With the fringes on the tops. 
Uh, it is never a very seen. never seen before. It is a very uh, whitewashed vision of the American West. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, a little bit of an unfortunate uh, coincidence, I guess, that uh, it's called Oklahoma, and Oklahoma as a state is one of those uh, one of the states where there is such a deep. Uh, connection to the Native American genocide in American history. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, the play is by a Native American playwright. Really? Uh, and yeah, Lynn Riggs was a Native American playwright. All of the characters basically in the play are Native Americans. Um, no, I've it never is like once. no, it is a central formation of their of their I, their personal identity, and it is not mentioned once in the musical. Wow. Oh yeah, they completely scrubbed it clean of that. Um <laughs> <laughs> wow! Is Re- replaced it with that huge jacked man we oh. all know and love. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> we love him. He's our favorite Australian. Uh, but yeah, so huh. they they really do a great job of whitewashing this, and this sounds very damning. <laughs> this sounds very damning, and I they do such a good job. Yeah, I mean, say what you will, but they were efficient. They when were it came efficient to the whitewashing. when it came to because, yeah. and also you think about. Uh, I really also don't think it's a coincidence that Oklahoma. Uh, so many of our of our, our our general cultural imaginations of the Midwest uh, and the American West in general uh, have have been informed by Oklahoma and of like the late Hollywood uh, late Hollywood the early Hollywood westerns. Mm. Um, Honestly, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that does not surprise me. You think of John Wayne, you think of the story with the fringe on top. Well, there was is... literally a genre of movie called The Singing well, Cowboy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Most cowboys were not white. No, absolutely not. Most cowboys not. were black or mm-hmm. Mexican. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but that's not you don't think that. No. Nope. Because of the John Waynes of the world. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And um and yeah, so Oklahoma uh, uh the Green Girl the Lilacs uh, all about Native American community in an in Oklahoma. I don't even think it's officially mentioned mentioned as Oklahoma in the text. But uh, in the musical, it is all that's done away with. They're all white, <laughs> or that's never mentioned explicitly, but they're mm-hmm. basically white. Um, <laughs> and there's the one character, Jed Fry, who is a bit of an outsider. Uh, and he is the only one who doesn't really live among the community. He sort of lives uh, at, on, the fringes? At, in, on the fringes. Um, yeah, and he... <laughs> the book, <laughs> the American formation and national identity, uh, <laughs> it makes a strong case that that is the only character in the musical that could really be interpreted as a Native American in the sense of how he's othered by the community, in the sense that he acts as a really uh, frightening presence. He is the antagonist of the show, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it is uh, it's he's just a, a standard generic antagonist for uh, an audience in 1943 who's got. Their big problem is World War II, and they're like, Americans are great. We are exceptional. Anyone saying any different exactly is a bad guy. We're going to beat the crap out of them. Um, So all that said, let's talk about why Oklahoma's uh, good in some ways. Yeah, please. Um, And I mean, so so just my personal opinion, I like Oklahoma just fine. It is Mm, not my favorite Rodgers and Hammerstein show. Uh, I don't think it's their best. I don't think it's it's their most successful. It's not my favorite. But... um, it was incredibly significant for their whole partnership, Rodgers and Hammerstein being um, one of the, I mean, forefront in the American musical theater history. Oh, they, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They It was their first show together. Um, they had both had previous partnerships. Uh, Showboat, in fact, is the, the other big starting point mm-hmm. in talking about musical theater history. Oscar Hammerstein wrote the lyrics and the book for that as well. Uh, so he's he's heavily involved in in moving the medium forward. Yeah. Um, but so Rogers and Hammerstein have collaborated for Oklahoma. Um, they uh, have essentially taken all of these small um, 
you know, little revolutionary acts that have tweaked other musicals uh, and putting them all together in one big package. They are uh, using scenes to really propel you into the next song for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be like, here's a scene and then here's a song that is kind of related, but not really at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of the lyrics of all the songs, you can say a lot about them. They're very, very intelligent in how uh, minimally they they say everything they need to say about the characters, about the the moving the story forward. Is that minimal compared to now or is that minimal compared to then? I'd say both, to be honest. Interesting. Because um, then you had folks like Cole Porter, who I love dearly. He's a maniac. Uh, <laughs> his songs were, you know, there were like four internal rhymes in one ver- in one line. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's nonsense. It's very goofy and very show-offy. Mm-hmm. And now even then, I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda is very smart about about making uh, the story move forward as a as an organic in the music and the, right. I'm not talking well, but uh, <laughs> Oscar Hammerstein's lyrics are very very simple in, in a lot of ways, and um, I actually think I mean now we might as well play oh, "What a Beautiful Morning." I, I was going to talk about something else. I but. think that is a fantastic idea. Absolutely. Oh what a beautiful morning! Oh what a beautiful day! I got a beautiful view. Okay, I know you said you were about to play it, but it came out of nowhere. It so did. Suddenly. It really did. <laughs> it came I mean, in listen, hot. it did. It does, and that's actually that was one of the small uh, miniature revolutions in in Oklahoma. Is that you go to see a musical in the late '30s, early '40s in New York? Uh, you've got on your best the best clothes. You're there. You're having a night on the town. The show starts. You expect a huge opening number with a lot of dancing girls. They all look exactly the same. They're kicking their faces. It's mm. a great, great time. Oklahoma starts. And it's just a single guy walking mm-hmm. on singing this song. It was conf- it was confounding to audiences then. Huh. It is not what you would expect. Um, and because it doesn't really start with spectacle, it makes you have to like lean in and be like, okay, I guess I'm following the story. I guess I have to do a little bit of work. It's very odd to discuss Oklahoma as revolutionary. <laughs> oh, it is. But it, it, nowadays, it, it looks almost passe by, by yeah. all of our yeah. standards. Um, but it is so essential to think about Oklahoma in the 1943 context, in in all of the things it was doing so drastically compared to everything else, so um, so odd, truly. On, and you can please. listen to all of it. And uh, uh, I mean, you the that was Hugh Jackman singing it in the 1998, I believe, National Theater production. Everyone's favorite Hugh Jackman. Everyone's favorite Hugh Jackman. That was pre X Men, by the way. Oh. <laughs> God, it's pretty jacked, though. What yeah. I wouldn't give for a post X Men Oklahoma. I know, <laughs> wouldn't you? That wasn't that called Logan? That yeah, I want, but I want I want Logan Oklahoma. <laughs> Lokla. Logla. I thought about it. It, it didn't work. It didn't work. It's it didn't awful. work. He's just living two minutes ahead of us. Um, <laughs> yes. Right. So it's revolutionary. The show starts on a yes. very very minute, absolutely minimalist level. Yeah, and, and so that was Hugh Jackman in the '98 National Theater production in London, uh, which, in my personal opinion, is about as good as that show can get. It mm-hmm. is a gorgeous production. You can watch it all of it. It's it's a pro shot. It was played on PBS all the time. Um, it is good. I've seen it. It's very good. I'm and, not. Oh, it's, I highly recommend it. Um, it's got like a rotating stage, and mm, it's cool. Mm, it's enormous. Sounds mm-hmm. like you're just talking about Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, work, and then work. there's this cool part where they all rap. Work, work. <laughs> um, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> um, gosh, so where was I? I'm just. Magneto. I, I should have taken a shot or something before this to like get my brain on track. Wait, you didn't? I no, thought, unfortunately thought you got not. my email. Oh, we were doing um, shots in the hall. Push yeah. Notifications. Uh-huh. Um, next time. <laughs> next time. Next time. Uh, so 
yes. What are we talked about? Uh, right. So starts early or starts minimal. <laughs> Hugh starts Jackman minimal. Sings. Hugh Jackman sings. <laughs> Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, we were talking about the lyrics and how simple they were. Right. Um, yes. Uh, you compare that to even like, I mean, God. Um, I, when I think about Cole Porter, I think about the song You're the Top, which is like 18 minutes long, and it's just one joke, but it's Jesus. put over. It's not 18 minutes long. It's an exaggeration. Oh. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. No, I, uh, I don't know. I'm a musical theater layman. <laughs> that's why I shouldn't have said that. I yeah. should have been honest with you and, up and forward. And well, now our relationship forthright. is just selling. Now, now it's very tense We're actually here. doing this bit where we always lie to Evan. Oh, so. great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Did... Evan, take off your headphones real yeah, quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so we're just doing this thing where we always lie to him. So, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. So we have You're the Top, which is just one joke but spread over a lot of verses, and there's lots of weird, complicated, fun rhymes and cultural references. You get Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, which, like like I said, starts very simply. It's uh, uh, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Oh, What a Beautiful Day. I got a beautiful feeling. Everything is going my way. You just say it out loud like that. It's not very impressive. No, it's it the just most sounds Ned like, Flanders thing. Truly. Yeah. It sounds like the ravings of a lunatic. And then you Why put would you it, say something so controversial yet so brave? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That was perfect. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for that. Thank uh-huh. you. Uh, but truly, you put it, you take those very simple but uh, effective lyrics and you put them with Richard Rodgers' gorgeous music, the very simple uh, soaring waltz that that song is, um, and it immediately enters the American pantheon of, of you know, <laughs> cultural milestones. I mean, it is, I, I truly believe that Oklahoma is like a landmark in American culture. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I have a hard time debating it. I mean, <laughs> it seems silly because it's fucking Oklahoma, mm-hmm. exclamation I mean, point. Have you seen the way he uses that lasso and just like oh my God. jumps on in there? Oh, my <laughs> Come God. On. I we have... should have watched it together before this interview. Next time um, we'll do that. I have walked in on Garrett pretending to do the lasso. Oh, no. Yeah. From you, Oklahoma. Yeah. You see it. You have to live with it your whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's, the, yeah. it's the only way I can... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, I got it. I got it. What else do I need to talk about with Oklahoma? There is the integration of the, the story and the music. Um, there is the dancing. We must talk about the dancing. Must I'm, we? Yes, we must. I'm not a dancer. I have a huge amount of respect for dancers. I'm a strong mover. That's <laughs> what um, so it says on your resume. That's what it says on my resume. Enough. Actor, that, singer, mover. That double uh, and a half threat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two and a third. Um, yeah, so uh, Agnes DeMille is the choreographer for the original production of Oklahoma, um, and she's essentially the like standard set for every other revival. I honestly don't even know if it's legal to not use her choreography because the Rogers and Hammerstein estate is so strict. Really? Um, truly, it might not be that's, legal. Uh, that's great. It might be a Jerome <laughs> Robbins situation where you can't not use her choreography. Wow. Um, she comes from a, a long line of showbiz folks. Her brother, I think, was Cecil B. DeMille. Whoa, why'd you say brother like that? I couldn't remember. <laughs> I was also oh, okay, actively actively having contractions. Um, <laughs> emoting. I was emoting. I, I think it was her brother. I really should have looked this up. Cecil B. DeMille, who did like Ten Commandments, uh, Greatest Show on Earth, uh, back in like the old, old Hollywood director, blah, blah, blah. Greatest so, Showman. Got it. Exactly, yes. Hugh Jackman. That huge um, Jackman. Yes. <laughs> so, um... So she's doing the choreography. She has insisted. I was just talking with my girlfriend Katie last night about it. She is a also a just an a absolutely buff, yeah. brilliant human being and a scholar when it comes to musical theater. Mm. Uh, Did she, you guys get in a fight last night? No, but I was like, and she's she's been a much bigger. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> she's a much bigger fan of Oklahoma than I am, to be completely honest. Uh, and I was like, what do I need to say that you would be absolutely mortified if I did not say? And she was like, you have to talk about Agnes DeMille and like guarantee, like forcing them to put sex in the show. 
Uh, and I was like, absolutely. Because Success. What? Yeah, oh, absolutely. You listen to this musical. And a lot of people, you know, you think of Golden Age musicals, you're like, oh, it's very fluffy. It's very G-rated. It's they're very... also very horny. No, absolutely. Like, so, so... <laughs> you know the horny whistle? <laughs> That's the podcast-wide horny whistle. Gear <laughs> loudest. You pay $4.99, three easy installments. You can get yourself your own. Garrett Loud. Somebody stop me. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so initially you were like, yeah, you got to put sex in there. And I was like, oh, wow, that's bold. But like also, no, the whole point of Guys and Dolls is to get uh, Sky Masters. Oh, made. yeah. I mean, so listen, that's the other thing is I have this other great book. By, is it, It's not. Yeah, it's Stacey Wolf. I was about to say Michelle Wolf, but that's the. That's the, the comedian. The comedian. Mm-hmm. Um. It's a book by Stacey Wolf. It's called <laughs> Changed for Good, A Feminist History of the Broadway Musical. Okay. Uh, it's also a great, great book. <laughs> it has uh, the cover. The, co- the cover's all right. It is a, a shot from Wicked, which is the only other musical to exist. That's true. Um, it's Hamilton and it's Wicked. Um, <laughs> also Phantom of the Opera. Also Phantom of the Opera. But that book goes really in-depth into exploring how most musicals written before, like, the 90s uh, were, like, really heavily reinforcing heterosexual themes. Not the 90s, well, like the 80s. Um, yeah, heteronormativity, I, I mean, it's... Yeah. You, yeah. 40s to 80s could just be, like, one page. Like, they were objects. <laughs> and it wasn't good. <laughs> Moving on. I mean, and so it's just... And again, like I said, musical theater, and we, we cannot devalue the role of the LGBTQ population in making musical theater and in supporting musical theater. Mm-hmm. I believe um, every woman in this show before the 80s was either A, an uptight librarian, or B, a slightly less uptight librarian. Oh my gosh, yeah, absolutely. You go back to the Tony's Best Actress winners, that's all they are. Yeah. Um, no, anyway. but yeah, there. I mean, uh, there are a lot of really incredible and well-written uh, roles for women in musical theater. Yes. Um, especially in Golden Age musical theater. Lots of really great ones. Really? But right. uh, just about all of the musicals uh, in the Golden Age were written for a mainstream American audience. Mm-hmm. So, like, heteronormativity had to be upheld by the end of it. Uh, you cannot have, you can queer code things, but you cannot explicitly right. make anything super gay. La Cage Fall in 1984 was really one of the first uh, capital mm-hmm. gay musicals yeah. ever written. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, what am I saying? Literally, what am I saying? We're talking about Oklahoma, yes. not La Cache Fall. <laughs> well, let me ask, how does how, Oklahoma in a modern context, right? This is kind of, we've talked about how it is in the yes. 40s when it came out, mm-hmm. but now, you Hang know. On. I think I know where you're going with this. Could they make it steampunk? Could they? <gasps> Could they and have they? I'm mm. sure they have. Um, there are actually two productions of Oklahoma going on right now that I do want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to lay more groundwork first. Okay, go for um, it. I should have brought a lesson plan. Uh, <laughs> I was surprised. This is all, by the way, for you listening at home. Elliot has no notes. This is the problem. Yeah, this, this is, is why it's totally off the cuff. This is why it's so no, bad. That's good, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it is why it's so messy. Uh, so Agnes DeMille was really insistent that they they, sh- they they put up as much sex in as was conceivably possible. And like I said, you really think about Golden Age musicals and the average person pictures very G-rated, very family-friendly, very fluffy, light entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I was revisiting Oklahoma a couple days ago, and truly, it is astonishing how much sex there is in the show. Because this um, is like the... I mean, when you think of family-friendly musical, I, 
I default to Oklahoma. You think Rodgers and Hammerstein. You yeah. think yeah. Oklahoma. You think Sound of Music. Yes. You think Cinderella mm-hmm. uh-huh. with Brandy. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, there's so much sex in Oklahoma. There's, I mean, the song with the lasso is Kansas City, where he's talking about this, like, striptease show that he saw. Um, in his love interest, Will Parker is the character, his love interest, Ado Annie, um, is <laughs> this incredibly uh, sexual character who sings one of the most famous songs of the show called I Can't Say No. Um Wow. And which is also nice because it doesn't necessarily rob her of agency. She really is like, oh, absolutely not. I am consenting to all of this. Well, that's <laughs> she good. She literally, I would probably should have said to plug a clip from that. Uh, she truly <laughs> of consent. Is, uh, oh, hang on. I've got a clip. Okay. Yeah, baby. <laughs> that's exactly how it sounds. Yeah. Celeste Holm in the original production saying that right there. Um, so it's it's this great, funny song about Ado Annie talking about how, um, I mean, she's just a girl who can't say no. Um, it's really, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So there's lots of sex in it. There is Agnes DeMille's probably her most, um, noteworthy contribution to the show, um, is the dream ballet. Mm. It really creates the idea of the dream ballet and its role in musical theater. There are several other dream ballets in the whole canon. Um, this is one of the more famous ones and I'd say one of the more successful ones it's like 17 minutes long that's not an exaggeration this time it is really absurdly long okay because Garrett um, said you guys were doing a bit where you were lying to me no he didn't say that at all you weren't all. supposed to hear that no I, oh. you didn't hear that I didn't hear that I didn't he say didn't that he didn't say that you <laughs> good <laughs> Good. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. I'm just a girl. Uh, so there's the dream ballet. Uh, it's like 17 minutes long, and it is the character of Lori, who is the female protagonist, um, she finds herself in the classic dilemma of do I marry <laughs> the very charismatic dickhead played by Hugh Jackman, uh-huh. or do I um, not call the police on this actively dangerous stalker? <laughs> who is, we've all been there. We've all been there, yeah. um, especially what a in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, and so she falls asleep. She's thinking about going to the this uh, this social um, with Hugh Jackman. She falls asleep singing this beautiful song called Out of My Dreams. Uh, and then the dream ballet starts. It's like 17 minutes. You have professional dancers cast in the company to play these different versions of these characters. Wow. Uh, the music is a real accomplishment in this part, too, because you have other songs from the show uh, making reprise appearances in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you got to fill 17 you fucking have minutes. To. Absolutely. It's really <laughs> a scary amount of time. Um, and there's tons of sex all over this ballet. Like, you gotta watch the oh, video. Oh, fuck at some yeah. Point. Hell yeah. Hell, hell, Absolutely. Hell, for yeah. 1943, it's about as steamy as it could get. It was it, really. Was it sexy com- at the time? Like, was it steamy? Oh, absolutely. Compared to. I really? think it really was. And I, and truly, Sex Sells, I don't think it's a coincidence that <laughs> it is was like the most commercially successful musical for a hot second. And is performed in musicals in middle and schools across, across the country. Across the country. Uh, usually they cut the dream ballet. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, I also, and, and Katie was very careful to tell me this too. Uh, she, and I, I agree with her, is that Oklahoma is one of those musicals where you really have to mention the choreographer in along with the composers. Because mm. usually when you're talking about a musical, you're like, oh yes, it's Lerner and Lowe's Camelot. But yeah. like with, I don't know why I shook my shoulders like You that. seem sassy. <laughs> it seemed appropriate. It's very appropriate. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate I feel seen. Um <laughs> Uh, Oklahoma really is one of the situations where it's probably most appropriate uh, to say Rogers, Hammersteins, and DeMille's Oklahoma Mm. in that she had such a huge role in creating how the show operates. I mean, it would not be Oklahoma if she wasn't involved. Right. Um, Well, you wouldn't have those killer lasso tricks. Absolutely. You wouldn't have the dream ballet. You wouldn't have the Mm -hmm. lasso tricks. The Mm -hmm. whole ballet world thought she was crazy uh, when she was doing the show. 
Um, and jokes on them. But um, yeah, <laughs> where's your Hamilton ballet? Exactly. <laughs> the Nutcracker, please. <laughs> Um, I've seen it. We're getting a movie adaptation. I'm so sorry. World That's gonna of ballet. Suck I'm so sorry. So bad. I'm also sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway. Anyway. Uh. Yes. Yeah, so we're talking about Agnes DeMille. We have talked about a little bit about uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein, mm-hmm. who I'm oh, sure we'll cover else, a lot what else, what else? in the. Oh yes. Here's another thing. Here's another thing about Oklahoma. I Give me that other thing about Oklahoma. Oh, was that a soundbite or was that you? That, <laughs> you know, Gary, I'll never that, tell. We play that soundbite once an episode. Give it's me weird another that thing you don't about know Oklahoma. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a really deceptively complex show. Uh, yes. Yeah. The fact that you're saying that probably means it is because <laughs> it has deceived me quite well. Oh, absolutely. So I mean, you again, it, it, Evan. What would you say? Your if someone asked you to describe Oklahoma in two sentences or less, what would you say? I'd say it's before like this conversation. The most vanilla bean. It's when somebody gets <laughs> vanilla and said, "Oh no, that's too adventurous for me." <laughs> that. That's Oklahoma. And yeah. I understand that. And I mean, I saw Oklahoma. It was a, a, a really, I mean, it was at my high school. I was in like middle school when I saw it. It was not a bad production. I want to go on the record and say it was not a bad production. However, I was like in seventh grade and I thought it was the most boring thing I'd ever sat through in my yeah. life. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's sort of how Oklahoma operates nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so important. That's part of why it's so important to frame your um, your conversations about it as what a groundbreaking piece of theater it was in 1943. Um, so weird. Especially because there are incredibly complex characters in it. Mm-hmm. It is it is easy to read it as just with a silly dialect because I don't know if you guys know this about Oklahoma. It is written in dialect in a way that is nigh uh. impossible to read. <laughs> you look up the song titles and it's literally, the lyrics are written in this fake Western dialect. Oh, I love like, that. The song is literally called I Can't Say No. Yes. It's not can't. Can't. It's C-A-I-N apostrophe T. So there is, when yeah. you If you use that for an audition or something, mm-hmm. you're like, I'm Elliot Folds. I'll be singing I, I can't, can't Say, say no. no. Yes, literally. <laughs> literally. That's great. It's That's awesome. bonkers. And it's all over the score. I mean, it's like, um, I kind of like uh, that though. I appreciate the, at least willingness to do this stuff like are the stage directions in dialect <laughs> you know i exit waved I, really I really hope so uh, they should be <laughs> they should be uh exit yonder um yeah. but um and that was an oscar hammerstein thing he did that in showboat he did mm. that in well, carousel with to Richard Rogers. me that's a good way to especially you know because you weren't you didn't have like video or anything you probably if you're doing the show maybe you haven't seen it yeah it's a way to say like hey the accents and stuff are integral to yes, the show you must at least pretend you're in the West. As if you're doing Oklahoma. as that sounds, exactly. it's really the only tool you had to do that. Absolutely. And I'm so glad we as a culture have moved on. It is so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Truly. It's so annoying. Ask any any poor musical theater girl who has had to sing a Rodgers and Hammerstein song in her voice lessons, and she's just like, I don't know what these mean, but I'm saying them. <laughs> these are contractions I've never seen before. <laughs> You'll um, never see again. <laughs> You'll never see again. Um yeah, so you have these very complex characters. You have Hugh Jackman's character, Curly, um, who is kind of a huge dick. He really, truly is. Yeah. Um, he is a protagonist, and by our thoughts and, and rules about musical theater, that means he should be incredibly likable, which he is. He's a very charismatic person. Mm-hmm. He should be incredibly likable, and he's the protagonist, so he should be completely unimpeachable. And that is not the case. Damn. He, at some point, commit. he, he, he can, tries to convince Judd Fry, the antagonist, to commit suicide. Because he's like, sure, people what? don't like you when you're alive, but think about how beautiful your funeral's gonna be when they're all sad that you're dead now. Jesus! No, it's a real thing. It's called Poor Judd is Dade. <laughs> <laughs> but again, the dialects, it's poor P O R E, Judd is Dade. Oh my 
god. Uh, so you have Curly, who's a really uh, not great human being. And you most Judd. Lots of uh, lots of male musical theater protagonists at the time are kind of dicks. They I really mean, are. You think about your Harold Hills or your Sky Masterson, those guys are ass jacks. Absolutely, like, absolutely. Total shit roosters, but there's no <laughs> shit roosters. No, nothing in the text <laughs> or the show makes them wrong. Absolutely. And and a lot of them is um uh, you know, with you'll get like with Harold Hill and the Music Man, that he has a an, an arc to come out of that and to redeem himself. Well, right, that's kind um, of the same point, with Sky. But, um, but like, but still, Oklahoma seems to be making uh, a comment on his behavior. It doesn't seem to necessarily condone it. Mm. You're not supposed to. I mean, Judd's the antagonist, so you're not. You don't want him to like thrive. Ryan, but, yeah. but like, you don't want him to kill himself for no reason. You certainly no. don't want that. Yeah. Um, so, it's a pretty small, you know, yeah. in terms of like you. It's not like lame is where it's like, oh, if the bad guy kills himself, cool. Right, 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 right. It's it's yeah. It, and so you have Curly, who's who's just not a great dude, but he's not a bad dude. He's not as bad. He's as He's a Judd. flawed person. He's a flawed person. He's an antihero. Ooh. He is the Shadow the Hedgehog of the Roger Hammerstein <laughs> oh. canon. That's literally not even true. Shadow the Hedgehog has guns and says, "Damn, it does. much like Curly, much like Curly <laughs> in Oklahoma." Also, he's a clone of Sonic the Hedgehog. Much like Curly? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> I, this is you're uh, you're missing this information. I'm having to fill in the blanks. Here. I know. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, so you have Judd, who's the antagonist. <laughs> Doctor Robotnik. Doctor Robotnik. Uh, mm-hmm. he, Judd is a nasty, nasty, nasty person. He literally, right before the Dream Ballet, is he's he receives these uh, pornographic images. Uh, from Kansas City, and he's just like, oh, I just want to have sex with Lori so bad. And he's like, maybe I'll look at these porn pictures. And then he's like, ah, oh, this doesn't satisfy me. I need to go have her for myself. So he goes to make her his. Something, um, something really feels bad about that, especially after we've said he's kind of the, the Native American. Rip. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. And like and like, and that's the thing. Uh, to be fair, I also need to make very clear, uh, the reading of Judd as a Native American character is not necessarily a widespread sure. uh, reading. But it's just the character that could be. It is a theory be. posed in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. He's the, really the only one that could be read this way. Right. Um, One of my good friends, her name is Molly. She's in grad school right now, actually, uh, studying Native American literature. And she hates Oklahoma yeah. um, because Dish. you know she's she's read the original play and uh-huh. she had to work crew on that production of Oklahoma that I saw in middle school huh. and she <laughs> was just she hates it I really should have brought her along except she's out of state but uh, um, well <laughs> but yeah so uh, you have Lori who is uh, on paper can be read as a very traditional musical theater ingenue just a I'm gonna sing soprano and long after this handsome man fellow right um but she uh, in the in the 98 revival with uh, Hugh Jackman she is played I wish the huge I wrote Jackman. down the huge Jackman I wish I wrote down the actor's name she is uh, she plays her very scrappy she's wearing overalls Ooh. she's uh super tomboyish she's a great great and it's a great character either way mm-hmm. um you have Ado Annie and will Parker in the in the subplot who uh, are just sexual deviants. Uh, Will is about as dumb as a bag of hammers, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, you have any, it's it's really establishing these archetypes of characters that would come back and reappear in other shows, uh, Rogers and Hammerstein and otherwise. Right. Um, including like the, the Earth Mother, quote unquote, figure uh, in Aunt Eller is her name. But that kind of gets back to the modern production of Oklahoma, not yes. to skip ahead. What does that do? So, uh, 
Oklahoma now and making it something interesting is a thing a yeah. lot of folks uh, struggle with. Yeah. Because you have two two things working against you. One is that it's Oklahoma, and that's a thing everybody and their grandmother has seen a thousand times. Yes. Or they think they know very well. Which yeah. um, well, I would say Garrett and I probably fall in that camp of think yeah. we know it pretty well. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. Yeah. You've seen one, you've seen them all. Truly. It's mm-hmm. very easy to feel that way. You also have, um, when licensing musical theater, there, there is really only a handful of uh companies who i mean it's, it's not a very big body of work necessarily so mm. you only have like four or five real companies who give you the rights to perform the shows right it's like musical theater international and the others <laughs> and rogers and hammerstein estate is the one that holds the rights to oklahoma and a bunch of other shows right so if you want to produce oklahoma you have to get the rights from them mm-hmm. they are very strict they're notoriously strict mm. about making sure you don't make any major changes there was a production that was shut down years ago i should have written down where it was or when it happened uh that tried making a pointed comment about the Native American genocide by placing human skulls around the edge of the stage and the the, the Roger Hammerstein estate caught wind of that and they were like shut that shit down now who who narked who narked on them (laughs) Um, some white fella probably I don't know absolutely absolutely so (laughs) so it's really hard to twist and interpret this into a way that means anything now it is it seems the estate is loosening the grip a little bit Hmm. Uh, there was a production in Atlanta with Serenby Playhouse a couple years ago um uh Done uh, the the marketing campaign. I believe was not your grandma's Oklahoma, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't get to see it. But if I I heard it was very good. Um, uh, there was lots of shirtless escapades. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but there are two productions going on right this second. Uh, one of them actually opens later this month at St. Anne's Warehouse in New York, off Broadway, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Daniel Fish. It is uh, this really fascinating production that is sort of set as a communal experience for the audience. Uh, you're all sitting at these tables in this like room, like sort of a, a, a community space. Um, because a big part about Oklahoma is the creation and the the, the maintaining of a community um, in whatever way that means for you. And so you're in this shared community space. I believe the actors create you like prep a meal for everyone to eat while the show's going on. Ooh. They've completely reorchestrated the score to be for like a couple string instruments and maybe a wind instrument or two and like percussion. Um, so pretty bare bones. Then. It's very bare bones. It is uh, mostly people of color in the leads, which is great. It's a great uh, uh, sort of <laughs> modern interpretation, having to shove mm-hmm. some diversity and inclusivity in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do really, really interesting things with it. We're like for the the conversation with Judd, uh, where uh, for the whole poor Judd is dead sequence, uh, they have the lights completely shut off. It is completely in the dark. Mm. Um, it's getting rave reviews. It had some sort of non off Broadway engagement a couple years ago, and it is is just a huge success. The estate approves of it because it's happening off Broadway. Right. It opens later this month. Mm-hmm. If you're in New York, go see it. Uh, and then there's another production. I really should have written down where that's, this happened. That's okay. It's but, fine. It's somewhere in the country. This this country of ours. Oh, um, I'm familiar with that one. And mm-hmm. it's that one. Yeah, it's a it very well. Um, it's a very gay re- a revival of Hell Oklahoma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I believe Curly's played by a woman, uh, and Laurie is still played by a woman. Uh, so they're lesbian cowboys. It's really lovely. Um, I don't know much more about. That Seems much. bold. I should have started with that and ended with the San Antonio <laughs> yeah. House one. You did kind of um, ramp up to a little. I really to... did. <laughs> I'm working on Oklahoma in space. If you guys, it's it's exactly what it sounds like. Very, oh, very, very bold. Yeah. Very bold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you uh, have you seen Team Star Kids? Uh, the uh, Oregon Trail. It's, oh, it's basically an Oklahoma parody. It's that great. sounds really interesting. On point. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, you should so check it out. That's, absolutely. It's got uh, choose your own ending. 
Oh, I love what? that. It's great. I want to I die of dysentery. That. Yeah. So that actually is kind of our final talking point about this, because uh, uh-huh. we gotta move on. But um, uh, have there been any, you know, interpretation? That I, I realize you can't do Oklahoma, but are there other versions of Oklahoma, like the <laughs> the Road to Oregon? <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Ways yeah. to do Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, so there's this gr- <laughs> really charming little musical called Curtains. Which as oh yeah oh I love curtains I I say, yeah, it's curtains. really delightful it, David Hyde Pierce oh yeah yeah you know, sure. yeah thank yeah. you we're Go gonna on. talk about that in a sec yes. uh, so. we are that is that is correct <laughs> curtains is a really delightful musical it's a murder mystery but in the context of the show there's a show within a show <laughs> doing the song it cracks me up I also should have uh, oh yeah it's, it's like the Kansas it's, Land is what it's called it's the uh, uh there we saw it yeah it's like Robin Hood but they're cowboys yeah, yeah. but they're cowboys yeah. but they sing this they open the show with a song called Kansas Land or Wide Open Spaces yeah um, which By the is Dixie all about Chicks. exactly mm-hmm. uh, which is all about Kansas Land it's basically the title song from Oklahoma right yeah. um it's very funny um it's just parodied throughout like, all of pop culture mm-hmm. um because its impact on on American culture at large was I- enormous yeah. is the thing it's I in mean, our roots it truly is I mean you have uh this this show happened it ran for years it sold a shit ton of sheet music it, the cast album was hugely popular you have other musicals really trying to cash in and being like oh we can't do our same old stuff anymore mm-hmm. now we have to put the story and the music and the dancing together in one coherent piece what is that nonsense so essentially you get this formula uh that i like to call the well-made musical uh that really thrives in the musical theater golden age you have uh at least two sets of lovers uh, and the love interest in the show. Mm. Uh, you have a nurturing matriarch figure. Yep. You always have a happy ending, no matter what kind of bad stuff mm-hmm. happens before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if you have music that is really uh, catchy and is hummable and you can sell the sheet music and cast album to afterwards, that's a bonus. Sit down, sit down, um, sit down, sit down, sit down, exactly. down rocking the boat. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oklahoma, I mean, has been revived numerous times. There was a movie made in 1955. It is not boring necessarily you it, i absolutely recommend watching it with fresh 2018 eyes be critical of it but uh absolutely <laughs> be aware of its role in the great american pantheon of culture mm. it is it's like your grandma it you maybe don't love spending time with it but you can like uh, respect I it i will have you know i love my grandma i know very you do you, you wear so many sweaters why would you say that about elliot's honestly, grandma how dare you say that about betty i meant more like the colloquial grandma Collo- our, our the, collective grandma not the, not the grandma on one side not the grandma you like spending time with the other one who's like a little you know she's old and you just it's kind of a chore the terrible you know? grandma yeah the, yeah, the sure. bad Oklahoma grandma is the bad gra- no but truly and oh god Rogers and Hammerstein and DeMille are rolling in their graves I again I will say I like Oklahoma quite a lot I I'm so grateful that it's it's enormous commercial success gave us this bizarre else. terrible genre that I yeah. call musical theater cool um, I hope one day I'll not embarrass myself on this program of yours. Eh, <laughs> Pretend I, I said program with a two M's and an E at the end. I will. Thank you. Yeah, like it's written in the book. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, why don't we take a musical break? Thanks for this segment of the Drama Club. Evan, <laughs> we're not going to take a musical break because it is time for our picks and dicks. I was going to go music break, picks and dicks, but it's cool if we want to just do picks and dicks. We could just play I Can't Say No. Yeah, no, it's cool. Just, let's just, we'll let's just, just dive into straight into it. Yeah. yeah, we went long here. All right, um, Garrett, you got a pick? Yeah, my pick this week. Uh, uh, damn, I just had it. 
Oh, come back damn, to me. I, I swear I thought swear you were word. talking about Kendrick Lamar. Like, I, 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 I <laughs> truly thought that was what you were talking you about. You could do it. Uh, oh, no, I do have a, I do have a pick. It's the new Kara uh, Kara Benito song. Oh, fuck yeah. Make believe. <laughs> it's great. Check it out. I will. It's I really good. Did, I did, but... <laughs> cool. Uh, Elliot, you have a pick? Oh, God, you go first, please. I'm All still right. picking. My pick, um, I mentioned some episodes ago that uh, we were going to start doing a video game podcast. Garrett, yeah. myself, and Nick Bills, who's been on the program before. Uh, two-time he, Emmy Award winner, two time. Nick Bills. Yeah, he was just a one-time Emmy Award winner Heck last yeah. time, but now he's a two-time. We recorded the first episode of that, and I'm really excited for people to hear that. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. it's going to be really good. I'm pretty pumped about it. That's yeah. so exciting. All right, my pick, my pick, my pick. Let me see here. Let me see. Uh, Oscar season's coming up. Ooh. It is. It's one of my favorite times of year. That's true. Hey, name a category in a year. Oh, no. Uh, Watch him do it. Name, you said name a category? An yeah. Oscars category in a year. An Alice, okay. Uh, best picture last year. <laughs> that would be The Shape of Water, my Whoa, friend. What I the know. hell? I know. How does he do that? Oh, my He's God. Hang on. Right? Hang on. Best picture two years ago. <laughs> la, la, la. Moonlight. <laughs> oh, Look at you. Look at me. He's even got the joke memorized. I do. I truly do. <laughs> Elliot does a uh, a little party trick. It's on my you... party trick. Yeah. yeah, it's on my, it's Evan, on my you, resume. You do it, Evan. Uh, I don't know. Best actress, nineteen seventy four. Nineteen seventy four. Best actress would have been Ellen. No, no. Ellen Burstyn was seventy three. No, no. Sorry, I got <laughs> Ellen Burstyn and Glenda Jackson mixed up. Ellen Burstyn. Alice doesn't live here anymore. That's the most I've stumbled. I, I'm not, I am not going to check I'm that. I'm deeply ashamed. Great job. <laughs> I'm deeply, so, yeah. deeply ashamed. You give me your category. He'll, he'll name Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so Oscar season's coming up. Uh, it's right up there along with musical theater is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, I, I hate myself for it because it's trash, but I love it dearly. Um, so a lot of trailers are coming out for really great things, and there are two trailers that I've had on repeat lately. I highly recommend anyone watch them in, in case you haven't yet. One of them is uh, the follow-up to Barry Jenkins' Moonlight. It's his next movie. It mm. is If Beale Street Could Talk, based on the James Baldwin novel. Uh, it looks unbelievable. looks so good. Uh, I cried watching the trailer. The other one is Yorgos Lantimos. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, it's Greek. Definitely, definitely he thought did. one of them was going to be Captain Marvel. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was thinking <laughs> Captain Marvel. On the other hand, we got French name and punching grandmas. Oh my on the god! No, sides. no, no. Is uh, is is he's the Greek director behind like Dog Tooth and Killing of a Sacred Deer and The Lobster. Mm. Uh, his movie is oh, called I Love the Lobster. Oh yeah, it's lovely, right? Yeah. So oh, that's not a well, word. It's, it's not it's lovely. A but weird way to describe that movie. Yes. Have uh, you seen The Lobster? No, I haven't. You Wait, what is it? Double I, feature with Oklahoma. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very weird movie. So uh, his movie is called The Favorite, and it's coming out. It's Emma Stone, it's Rachel Weisz, and it's Olivia Coleman. I love all. all Three so much of this movie already. I haven't even seen it. I watched the trailer so many times. It's twisted. It looks dark as heck. It looks hilarious. Absolutely check it out. I'm really here for both of them. Hell yeah. Cool. Hell yeah. How about dicks, boys? I've got a dick this week. Yeah. I'm really unhappy with the way you said that. Yeah. I, Same. I, need, I need you guys to pour one out for me and the homie that I lost. Oh, this I'm past so week. sorry, dude. My uh my dog. <sighs> Chewed up my copy of Oh The God. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh God, dude. Just, it's so hard. It's so, so hard. So now I gotta go buy a new copy of I'm Zelda. I really am. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's it's alright. Elliot, oh, do you I'm have pulling, a dick? I'm pulling through. So uh 
as you guys might know, it is endless shrimp season. Oh, um, shrimp. Don't I fucking know it? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. Uh, do I know about endless shrimp? Uh, <laughs> uh, so Katie and I found ourselves with a day off a couple days ago. It was our first ever day off at the same time mm-hmm. since we have like made the move of living together, which is great. We... I went to Red Lobster to celebrate Endless Shrimp. I got a gift card for $25 for Christmas two years ago, so we thought we'd finally use it. All right. Um, we got some Endless Shrimp, and it was fine. It's very fine. It's very fine shrimp. Not great, but it's fine. It's fine yeah. shrimp. It's fine shrimp. We had this very sweet waiter who brought us refills on water, and I don't know what he poured in those cups, but it was not water. Hey. I think it was soda water, oh. but flat soda water. Oh. It tasted like ass. It was so gross. We were, mm. and, and so at some point I like flagged down a separate server and I was like, I'm so sorry, I don't want to say anything. Uh, can you bring us some fresh glasses of water? Because our server brought us more water, but I don't think it's actually water. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. So she brought us other like new glasses of water. We drank them really fast and our server came back and refilled those with this nasty toxic soda water. Oh. So we had four glasses of soda water sitting on our table. It was a disaster. That sounds like a nightmare. It was an absolute disaster. Wow. That's my that's my dick today. Uh, I have something to say about Red Lobster Please. real quick. Garrett, you have the floor. Thank you. Uh, so I'm happy to announce that in five days, I will be going with my friend Rachel to Red Lobster. They're opening a new location uh, over in Buford, and uh, and we're, we're, we get to meet the manager and uh, and sample the new menu items, and I'm very excited for it. <laughs> hey, Garrett, that's great. <laughs> this isn't a joke. I'm, I no, don't know. I know. It's, I'm sure. It's dumb, and I'm excited about it. I really it. hope I haven't said anything that'll like ruin your relationship no, no. with Red Lobster. Can you um, bring are me they a sponsor and I wasn't aware? No. Can you bring me a Cheddar God. Bay Biscuit? By the way, Sweet. today's episode is brought to you by Red Lobster. I swear. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll try to bring home some biscuits. That would be sick. Uh, my dick is that I have been getting tonsil stones lately. If you forgot, oh, oh my god! Dude. Yeah, Apparently, it happens. Uh, sometimes just like if you're folks like us who talk for a living, it just we're more prone to it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just, get some gnarly tonsil stones. I have not. I've gotten them like sporadically, but like seriously, like every day this week, it's been like a tonsil stone. Can it's you please now. walk me through the process of discovering and expelling mm. a tonsil stone? Because I have, mm. I I'll don't, tell you how I do it. I how don't do think do I it? know because I, I feel like I talk a lot for a living as well, but yeah. I have not experienced this. So please help me out. So yeah, I mean, for I don't know about getting them, but like you'll either you'll notice you'll like you'll just feel it in the back of your throat. Yeah, you sometimes know? you can feel it, and sometimes oh, your word. I don't. Sometimes your this. breath will smell bad yeah. because oh, they smell no. very bad. So I'm super self conscious about that. But I just usually use like a, a Q-tip. You just poke it and it pops on out, or it just yeah falls out. I just wash my hands and then use my finger. Oh, <gasps> but that doesn't work yeah. for me. What no. is it? Is it a? Is it? It's like a calcium deposit oh, in no. your tonsils. Yeah. And it oh. smells really bad. It's, it's a, pretty grody. It's a disgusting sentence that we're having. Anyway. That's been the show. Is this that been, my cue to? I think so. This has been pull up the outro music. Evan and Gary take on the world, and also the first episode of the Drama Club. Elliot Folds, thank you so I'm much. So for, very yeah, sorry. Elliot, thank you for uh, for coming in. That was a lot of fun. I'll bring notes next time. I love you both very dearly. I feel I feel like I've been adequately informed. Same. I feel like I learned something. More culture. And that is the first time I can actually say that on this show. <laughs> yeah, not. I feel like we, I learned something. We've never walked away from this show better. Yeah, no. Worse. So uh, maybe maybe this show is uh, actually worth something. Yeah, maybe. Aww. That's pretty cool. Ours is not. Yeah, no, no, no. But. Accept <laughs> fan mail, please. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yes. Of course. We'll, uh, we'll have you back very yes. soon. Yes. Oh, Absolutely. Well. <laughs>
Here's the outro music. I'm Remember, there are no small parts, just small actors. That's true. I'm, uh, <laughs>